0: Welcome to uh, part two of our series, It's Time. Uh, And what we've been talking about is, especially in a new year, it's that time of year where we think about the whole thing you know, we see it as kind of a big picture and generally we think about what could go better this year that maybe didn't go so well last year or maybe some areas of our lives where we want to improve um, and that's great right I mean it's awesome to set that goal of maybe losing some weight uh, getting you know in shape uh, maybe some career goals or objectives maybe it's relational maybe it's treating people better that you know it's this is the year it's time for me to get out there and, and maybe change some things relationally repair some relationships that kind of have been on the edge or maybe to be honest about where things are and, and to be honest about where I am and, and what I have going on or my issues or, or to just turn things around in a new, a new way. And so that's kind of how we in general approach the year and, and that's great and we were talking about last week how uh, we have this tendency um, to think those great ideas but not really to act on them. And so we use the analogy of a car, um, and we talked about a little bit of those hey moments where, you know, hey, you done messed up, you know, that like they were talking about in the video. But it's that moment where, you know, you kind of pull up to the intersection, and then you get distracted with something, right? Or you use something as an excuse, and you're not paying attention to the light that is so obviously green, So obviously green. And then you miss the opportunity to go through the intersection or maybe you eventually do, but you hold everybody else back that's in your car or behind you. And it really just messes Kind of things up, and you missed your chance. You missed your opportunity. Uh, We do this with faith a a lot all the time, actually. I think, and uh, we we tell ourselves that we're too busy. That we got a lot going on. You know, when when the kids uh, don't have so much on their plate, or maybe when work slows down, then I'll you know maybe make faith a priority or figure that out. Um, Or uh, we look at faith and we say, you know, I'm not going to hit the gas when it comes to faith because it feels like if I do go through that intersection, if I do hit hit. uh, Uh, hit the gas or do go at the green light, then, uh, you know, the fun of life is going to be taken away because there's all these rules and and, uh, stipulations about following Jesus, and I don't want to have to commit to that. And so life would just be more fun without him. And so that's, you know, deep down what we really think about it. it, when in reality we haven't honestly looked at it, like we haven't looked at the benefits of maybe following Jesus, that there could be some better things that that maybe we're missing. Or in a lot of cases, we talked about this last week, we expect somebody else to figure out faith for us. We expect somebody else to figure out Jesus for us. You kind of expect me sometimes to, you know, be in the car behind you and to gently, we talked about this, right, where I just come up behind you and like, you know, I just kind of hit the horn just to let you know, you know, and I'm, I'm really polite about it when in reality, what do I want to do? I just want to lay on the horn like, come on, let's go. Uh, but, uh, and and you sit there and, and sometimes let's be honest, we just, we just want somebody to drive us through the intersection for, you know, for us. We, we want somebody to just do it all for us. But the problem is as soon as that person gets out of the car, we're stuck because we're not doing it of our own uh, personal decision, of our own accord and it's really inefficient when we do it that way. Honestly, it's a bit embarrassing when we expect somebody else to do that for us, right? It's embarrassing when you're, you know, a little bit when your 16-year-old asks you to do something that they probably should have been doing since they were six. And it's a little bit embarrassing when we have to ask somebody to help us navigate some area of life or faith when we've supposed to have been doing it for a long time, and so let's be honest with ourselves and let's make it a personal decision. Let's personally engage with it. Let's personally hit the gas on it, even if it means not necessarily fully committing to Jesus, but at least trying to figure out what we don't understand. But it's so easy just to fall into the, the, the bucket of comfort and, and what's easy and what's straightforward. And that just sometimes means hitting the brake or putting it in park and not going. It's easier to stay where we are. And so last week, I just really wanted to convict you that it's time it's time to go. The light is green. Or if you're, you know, if you have a lot of kids like I do right now that are young, you know, you read in the book, Go Dog Go. And the Go Dog Go, the light is green now, and now there's a TV show on Netflix, and so we're binge-watching that, okay? And uh, there's a lot of dogs and a lot of going, and that's great. It's time, it's time to go, and that, that's okay. So, so what did it would look like for you to put down your phone, to move the distractions aside, to step back, take a breath, maybe even pray on it, and figure out, in these areas of my life where I've been kind of stagnant, where things haven't been moving, could I make some new progress, could I get after it? Or if you're skeptical about faith, you know, what would it look like for you to ask some genuine questions and and dig out some some genuine real answers when it comes to your doubts? Or maybe you're new to faith, and so the question for you is, well, where are you growing? You know, maybe deep down, you know, you made that decision to follow Jesus. That's awesome. Well, where are you going to grow? What's the next step? Or maybe you got some brokenness in your life that you've been ignoring for a long time and you've been telling yourself you're stronger than that brokenness, but that brokenness is still there. How are you going to find healing? How are you seeking new life? How are you seeking the life bucket that we talked about last week? And you can watch last week's message in all of our series on our app or on our website. Um, but the, the reality is you're rarely going to get to where you're going if you don't hit the gas because even if somebody does it for you, you're limited by their willingness to drive you to the destination. And so I don't want you to be held back. I want you to go, because I think it's time. Now today, that brings us to one of the reasons, one of the topics, one of the themes or ideas that I think really hold us back from hitting the gas. And that theme or idea is time itself, is that thing. Oops, sorry, I know I hit it, but I didn't mean to go. That, time. We sit there, and I think... We don't understand time as we should. And so therefore, we don't go. We don't go. And that's ultimately what's holding us back. So there's two things about time that I want to talk about today. And and not all of the things that we could say about time, but there are two things that I think are most common among all of us today, myself included, because this is really difficult to change our our frameworks because we just habitually treat time in a certain way. And so to change these ideas is, is really difficult, but I think it's worth trying. It's worth thinking about it maybe in a new way, okay? So number one, now we're ready. Number one, we misunderstand the value, the worth of time. We misunderstand the worth of time. For example, social media. Okay? Or you can take really anything. I mean, whatever it is. TV or, or I mean, social media is just kind of more of an easy target, so I'm going to use it. Okay, social media. Um, how, how much time do you spend on social media or Netflix or whatever it may be? watching videos, looking at pictures, watching what all your friends are doing, comparing and contrasting yourself to them. How many, how many hours a day? Generally, an average is at least an hour. And, and you don't have to guess. You can actually, on most smartphones today, you can pull up like on the iPhone. I know there's a screen time. You can see how many hours you spend. So you're really honest with yourself. But let's be conservative. Let's just say an hour a day, an hour a day. Well, let's just do the math on an hour a day. If you spend an hour a day on social media, in a year, that equates to 45 full eight-hour workdays. 45 full eight-hour workdays. That's a month and a half of a full-time job. Think about that. That's crazy of working seven days a week for 45 days straight is one hour a day. That's crazy. Have you ever thought of time in that way before? Have you ever thought about that investment in that way before? Have you ever thought what you could accomplish with 45 workdays? A lot, right? I mean, if you're struggling with parenting, do you think spending 45 workdays on your parenting skills would help? Or your marriage? Or your dating life. Do you think if you have communication issues, maybe reading a book or listening to a book for those 45 days, I'm guessing you could get a couple books in in 45 work days a lot of books in in 45 work days. What if you, I know this is so cliché coming from the pastor, but just hear me out. What if you read your Bible? Like you're not even huge on the Bible, but you actually read your Bible. You listen to your Bible. I'm not saying if you're not a reader, listen to it then. Okay? Pull up in the Bible app, start a Bible in a year plan and just listen to it. See what happens. What do you think would happen in 45 work days? Incredible things. Let's think about time in a different way. Um, let's talk about, uh, well, Well, this is an example. Uh, another story from, from parenting for me um, was literally, I think it was just this week. Maybe it was last week. Uh, but my wife, Stephanie, opened the Parent queue app, okay? And this is uh, the Parent queue app right here. Um, this is free. Uh, and it's free for anybody, Uh, but especially if you're an infused person and your kids are part of our kids' environments, um, at any age, you can download this app um, and you select Infuse Church, and then you put your kids in, and then you have access, once you put their grade and their their stage of life in there, to um, last, the most current week's uh, teaching video. So if you miss a Sunday at Infuse Church and you're like, oh, I'd love for my kids to catch up on what they missed, the video is there. The same video that they watched here on Sundays that you can watch on the app at any time and then there's a bunch of things like hey drive time or before bed or here's some things as a family that you can do to help your kid grow it's completely free and so Stephanie opened the parent Q app and the one thing you see when you log in you'll see all your kids but then in a circle around their name you'll see how many weeks you have left before they turn 18. I know kind of depressing but it also is very convicting, because what Stephanie said, I her face, I could just see it in her face, she just looked at me and she said, we're just coming up on 25% of the way through raising Elia, our four-year-old, because four and a half is 25% of hitting 18. And I'm like, whoa. She was just a baby on my chest and I was sitting there in the little cramped room and all the, you know what I mean? You know the emotions, okay? Men have them too, okay? Okay, and you're sitting there and I'm like, oh my gosh, our time is so incredibly limited. I've never looked at that. Think about that. If your child is nine, you're halfway there and you're like, well, I'm always gonna be a parent. Yeah, you're always gonna be a parent, but around 18, you need to become more their friend and their coach than a parent, because it's time for them, hopefully at that point they've made the decision and we've talked about that in parenting series before and I should probably do another parenting series. But it's time for your tra- time to transition into how you parent your kids and they do it on their own. And it's a, it's a big deal. And so you should think about that stage of life And and 25% of the way there, it's just, it's incredibly shocking. We don't have as much time as we thought. This is the last example, just to help understand time in a different way. Some of you have seen this before if you've done Financial Peace University, but this is, I think, Like the most powerful graph in financial peace, university, okay? And uh, there's two guys in this example. It's Jack and Blake, okay? And Jack invests uh, $21,000 over nine years starting at age 21. So he invests for nine years till he's 30, a total of $21,000 over that course, which ends up to be, you know, just a couple, like uh, $2,400 every year. Twenty-four hundred dollars a year for nine years, okay, and then you got Blake, and Blake does nothing until he's thirty, and then he starts at thirty and invests twenty-four hundred dollars every year until sixty-seven. Who has more money? Jack does. Jack has more money. In fact, Jack has two point five million dollars at a twelve percent return, which is based on the S and P five hundred. And Blake has $1.4 million saved up. That's called compounding interest. Nine years versus almost the rest of their life. And who has more, Jack? At the same interest rate, compounding interest. What is the difference between Jack and Blake other than a million dollars? Time. Time. Jack had his money earning interest for almost 10 more years than Blake. And it's difficult to go back and fix this one, as you can see. It's difficult to catch up with this, but the difference is time. And some of you are like, oh my gosh, I need to get my retirement figured out. Yeah, probably can't say you didn't learn anything at Infuse Church today. The value of time is absolutely incredible. It's one of the most powerful things that we have. And I think this compounding interest idea, it's the same way when it comes to faith. If you invest now, it will pay dividends for so much longer and grow so much Bigger than if you wait, if you push it off, if you just say, ah, oh, you know, I'll hit the gas later when life's calmer, when I have my businesses together, when I have my finances together, when I have my job and my career path, when life's a little simpler, that's when I'll take care of that thing. That's fine, but there will be missed opportunities. There will be missed opportunities. And it is gonna be so difficult to go make those back up. In fact, near impossible. That's the value of time and we misunderstand that value. Number two, we misunderstand the value of time. Number two, we push the limits. Of our time. We push the limits. This is so much more uh, relevant today than I think almost any other time in human history. We just cram every little second of every little day with something and we push the limits and we model that for our kids, right? And society expects that. We've talked about that before. Like, how, how likely are you to go to your friends' group and be like, oh, yeah, this whole month we're just taking every weekend off and we're spending it at home and, and just, you know, spending quality time together and just relaxing you know I get up and drink a cup of coffee and I just take it easy and I just I just take it easy you know and your your friends are sitting there like oh wow you're just so sad we're in this sport we're in this sport we're doing this they're winning they're getting these medals they're accomplishing all these things and and they're just kind of making you feel bad for just kind of taking it easy on a weekend because that's the society pressure that we have today but what happens What do we miss out on? I think we miss out a lot. Because when I say, join a group, you're sitting there saying, well, can I fit that in? Well, because you're trying to figure out, is there enough room before I hit my limit to get that all done? I I go out and I say last week, I'll say it again this week, hey, pick up a free growth guide in the back on the welcome table. It's completely free. We're going to start posting this online for you online people as well so you have access to this. And spend some time going through it and watching some videos and reading some books and things like that. And the the first thing you think kind of deep down is, I don't know if I have time for that. So I'll just do it another time. Well, when's a good time? When's a good time? Because you're already pushing your limit. And the problem with pushing your limit is the closer that you get to your limit, the more focus you dedicate to that limit. It's just like the edge of the stage, especially if it was higher. But the closer and closer I get to falling off the front of the stage, the more and more attention I'm giving to falling off, to preventing myself from falling off. Because that's what limits do. They demand our attention because we have no margin left. Here, I have tons of room to work. But here, the only thing I'm kind of focused on is not falling too far forward and making them work harder with the camera to try to track me, okay? What am I missing? I'm missing what's happening to my left. I'm missing what's happening to my right. And I'm certainly not seeing what's behind me. I don't have time to look behind me. I don't have time to see what is left in the wake of my path moving forward because I don't have time. All I can focus on is the fact that I'm trying to keep myself within my limits and not break, And in so doing, trying to get the most out of our time, we actually miss so much of the time and opportunity that we have because we have no margin, we have no gap, and all we can focus on is just keeping the plates spinning. But what would happen if we were able to look back and see what was behind us and maybe learn from what was behind us, or see if there's any opportunities off to the left or the right, because maybe we shouldn't always continue on the trajectory that we're heading. Maybe there's better things to our left and our right. Isn't that true? There's a guy named Moses. You may have heard of him, uh, especially if you grew up in church, or maybe you watched some movies about him. Kind of a big deal. Uh, He's known for a handful of things. Uh, He's known for uh, a famous song uh, about a pharaoh and letting people go. Um, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, o oh. Yeah, that's true. Those are all the people who had to go to, like, Christian camp. You didn't miss out um, necessarily if you don't know how that song goes. Um, but uh, some of us, we went through that. We... We went through that, and there could be scars. Anyways, um, yeah, so, oh, oh let my Pharaoh— Yeah, he said Pharaoh, he's, he took the people out of the nation of Israel out of uh, Egypt, right? And uh, part of the Red Sea is famous for that. The Ten Commandments, super famous for that. But where people kind of forget is what happens after that. The whole reason Moses was doing all this is to get the Israelites to the promised land. And doesn't it sound nice to go to the promised land? I mean, if somebody said, hey, this land is promised to you— That could be really good. And so that was what Moses' goal was. Because God wanted Israel to become a new nation in a new land, which just happens to be modern day Israel. But Moses and the nation of Israel didn't listen. It's kind of like this. Um, God was said to the nation of Israel, hey, we're all going to go get ice cream. You guys want to go get ice cream? Yeah, that'd be great. I'm buying. I'm buying. Let's, let's go. We're all going to go get ice cream. So the nation of Israel, Moses, is going to get ice cream. Okay, And God said, we're going to go get ice cream, but here's what I need from you. I just need you to trust me and listen to me. Okay, Parents? You sit down with your kids sometime and say, "Hey, we're going to go get ice cream, but all I need you to do is like for an hour or two, just 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 listen to what I tell you and please take care of it." Okay? What are you going to shoot? Like uh, 80% success rate, 70%, maybe 50 if you're lucky, okay? You know, let's be honest. They're not going to listen. And that's exactly what happened. They could have gotten ice cream, but they just couldn't listen to God. And all the kids effectively said to God, "No." Because I bet what the Israelites told themselves is what we tell ourselves all the time, and that is, "I got more time. You know, if I don't listen to God now, I can go back and fix it. You know, God, God God's going to be fine. I bet I can wait God out. I bet I bet He'll give us another chance, you know? But because I really want to do this one thing, He told me not to, but I really want to do it. And God says to the nation of Israel and Moses, "No. You missed your chance. You could have, but you didn't. And the didn't has consequences. And it's very difficult to go back and fix those things. There's not going to be ice cream today, kids. You missed it. I wanted you to hit the gas. What did I say? Go into the promised land. Get it done. And you said, oh, we're too afraid. We got too much going on. We're just going to hit the brake and stay right here on the edge of what's promised to us. We're this close, but we're not going to do it. And how often that's our faith story too. We know there's more. We know there's an opportunity. There's a promise, but we don't want to take it. We want to stay in control. And too often then we miss the opportunity. And so Moses, there's a Psalm that's accredited to him. Psalm 90 and in the psalm, Moses is like praying and reflecting and lamenting their decision to not listen to God. And I want you, as I read, I'm going I'm to read it out loud so you just kind of hear it, um, and then we'll look at two verses up on the screen. But I just want you to hear what themes you can pick up, a, a repeated pattern of ideas over and over and over again. A little hint, it has to do with time, Okay of what, what, um, what, what Moses realized he did wrong and what he wished he could have done better. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. If you listen to what I'm about to read in like the voice of a child, it actually fits pretty good. It's really dramatic, really potent, really strong. And it's just like he's being honest with, oh, you know, dad, mom, I did this and I did this. And you didn't even know about this, but I did this too. And, you know, and you're just sitting there like, whoa. Okay. But Moses is having an honest moment with the fact that he missed the opportunity. There's not a chance to go forward. Here it is. Starting in verse seven of Psalm 90. For we have been consumed by your anger. Talking about God's anger. And we have been terrified by your wrath. You have placed our guilty deeds before you, our hidden sins in the light of your presence. We messed up. For all our days have dwindled away in your fury. All of our days. Because what did God say? You're not going to get to go to the promised land in your lifetime. It's going to be another generation that gets to go to the promised land because you chose to hit the brakes. It was your choice, not mine, your choice to not listen. For all our days are dwindling away in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh for as, as for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. 80 years, yet their pride is only trouble and tragedy, for it quickly passes away and we disappear. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you, God? So teach us to number our days so that may we be present with you a heart of wisdom. Do return, Lord. How long will it be? How long do we got to wait, Lord? And to be sorry for your servants. And God says, you're going to wait a long time because you're in time out now. You're in time out, yeah. Did you hear the solution? Did you hear the solution of what we miss and Moses is saying, this is what I needed to get. And this is what I hope when future generations read the psalm, they hear it and they let what this truth sink in. What is God supposed to teach us? God, teach us what? Teach us to number, number, as in count, number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. I've used this analogy before, but I just think it's so good that we, we need to revisit it, okay? Because it's been like a million years since we talked about this. Imagine your life as a ream of paper. In other words, like a book. And the reality of a, a book is that there are limited pages, are there not? Eventually it comes to an end. But what happens in this story in your story is really up to you. Every page being a day. Every page being a day. In other words, every page having incredible value. Every page, every piece of paper is an opportunity to write something incredible or to write nothing at all. And the thing about pages and writing it down is you can go back and look. And you can go back and you can start to see patterns of how you invest your time, what gets recorded in the pages of your story, of of your life. And if somebody wants to look at that, they can. And guess what? They do. You do it, in fact. You look at other people's pages, you read their story, and you see what matters to them, don't you? You see where they're going wrong. Because it's a pattern. Because one page after another page after another Tells the same story. You could see it in others, which means it's also true about you. And what, what is Moses saying? Teach us to not look at these as just blank things of little value, but to number them. And when you number something, you can count it, and it begins to have a worth, a value. And Moses says, we need to number them so that, so that what? So that we can gain a heart of wisdom. And what is wisdom? Being able to see what others don't. Being able to see sheets of papers, maybe whole reams of papers into the future and how the trajectory of our life is going to end. That's a wise person, isn't it? Somebody who can almost see the future, not because they're prophetic, but because they're wise, I love the Hebrew word for wise. When we read this, it's actually a translation from Hebrew. The, the Hebrew word for wisdom is chokmah. Hokma. You got to get the ch in there, okay? Chokmah. And I don't know about you, but that just sounds cool. To have some chokmah, you know? It's not as weak, it's not as fluffy when you say, I got some chokmah. Lord, we need some chokmah. We need to look at every paper like it is a value. Every page is a gift. And we need to treat them nothing less than the number, the unique digit that they are. And appreciate it when it turns over. Number them so they count. Number them so they count. Because, because, and this is what Moses said two verses before this. He said, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away. When do days become trouble and sorrow? When they quickly pass away. When we don't realize that they fly by, that time flies by. This was an expression back thousands of years ago as it is today why because we're still plagued by misunderstanding the value of time that we let it fly by so let's not let let's not let them quickly pass by anymore let's not give in like Moses did to society and the pressures of the world because that's what he did He was afraid. He wanted to keep the status quo. He wanted to keep the peace instead of hitting the gas and moving forward like he knew he was supposed to do. Like God promised him he would always do because that's what God does. God keeps us from death and pulls us to life. He pulls us away from the world as broken as it is. If you're wondering why the world is broken, go watch a series that we did a couple months ago in October called Stranger Things. And you begin to realize the world is broken and God's always, that's his promise, he's always going to pull us to new life giving life. And that we get that when we start following him and we pro- when we prioritize him over them. The nation of Israel, I think, said to themselves, I got more time. We can figure it out. We can do this differently. And Moses said, oh, you're probably right. We can figure this out. We got time. We'll just wait here. We'll tap the brakes a bit. And God said, no, I didn't tell you to tap the brakes. I told you to go. So here's my question. How many of these pages, your pages, these aren't mine, these are yours. How many pages are you willing to let pass away? Because you know they will and they are. How many are you willing to let go by stuck in the same ruts, stuck in the same habits, stuck in the same uh, tragedies, and the same pain, and the same suffering, and the same pathways that aren't leading to where you know God probably wants you to go? How many pages have been taken up with things that don't give you life? Anger and resentment and bitterness and sin and booze and drugs and and uh, lusts and and things and bad investments and, and financial decisions, okay? You know, spending money in places that you shouldn't have spent it. And then then guess what? How many pages is it gonna take you? Let's grab a chunk here, to fix those things again, right? To repair the relationships, to pay off the debt, to repair what you have broken. That's why when Paul says sin costs you, it costs you. You have to spend so much effort trying to make up for what has been broken. And we're so tempted to get so busy and to just rush through and have the pages go by. But what if we could stop and we could say, who's coaching me through how I'm spending my pages? Who am I prioritizing in how I'm spending my, my pages? Because God says, I want to help you spend these pages wisely, these gifts that I have given you. Think about it. and all the things that your kids do and all the things that you do, who's helping you to be more patient? Who's helping you be more kind and merciful and forgiving? Who's teaching you the value of generosity and compounding interest? Who? Who's doing that? You say, well, you are Pastor Taylor. Yeah, but I don't want to drive your car. You need to let your heavenly father into your heart to help you drive your car. You drive your car. There's value in every page. Don't just go through the motions over and over again. Start writing a better story. And Christian or not, Christian or not, here's the other question I want you to ask yourself. How many of your pages will you invest in God? Christian or not? If God is, as Moses said, thousands and thousands of years pass by and it feels like to God just a day, don't you think that's a perspective worth knowing? That's God's perspective. Isn't that a perspective worth knowing? Why not invest in him, in his understanding, and worshiping him this year in 2022? Well, Taylor, I don't even know if God exists. Okay, well, how many pages have you spent disproving God's existence? Well, probably not that many. Okay, we'll start there. Just spend some pages trying to disprove that God exists or prove that God doesn't exist. That's what I did for a couple years. I tried to disprove the existence of God. And in the process, I found out that maybe I wasn't right. Or do nothing at all, because that's easier. I get it, it's easier. But what compounding interest opportunities are you missing by passing it by? Think about in thousands of years that God has interacted in this world, how many people, stories have changed because of him for thousands of years now. Maybe there's something to it. Maybe there's something worth checking out. And Christians, Christians, if you consider yourself a Christian, I want you to ask yourself, if people read your story and your pages, how many pages would they see Jesus on? You know, how, at what page would they see, oh, yeah, this is where their life changed? This is where they started following Jesus. I can see it. I can see it. Not just in one page, but in every page after. I can see they treat people differently. They serve others. They lead differently. They love differently. I can see where Jesus changed everything. Think about the value of the page. What's today's page going to say? You went to church, okay, then what? <clears throat> What's tomorrow's page gonna say? What's the next week's worth of pages? The next month's worth of pages? What's the next year, 2022, pages going to look like? Let's realize the value of time and spend it with some chokhmah. Spend it with some deep, abiding wisdom from God and count them wisely because we can't change the pages that have been spent but we can change the pages to come we can't change the beginning but we can change the ending we can't change the past we can change the future so let's go it's time the light is green if you would bow your heads let's pray together Heavenly Father Lord help us give us the wisdom that Moses talked about Lord, help us to pray for that wisdom, to pray big, big prayers for your wisdom, to be genuinely open to see the world as you see the world, to let you into our lives and begin to trust you in a way we've never done before. And if we're skeptical about you, then figure out our skepticism, figure out our doubts, get to the truth. Help us to do that wisely. Lord, help us to realize that every page is valuable, especially if we're a Jesus follower, to invest every page as if Jesus lives. Because as Christians, that's what we believe. Help us to live our lives, every page, as if they matter and are a gift and they count. And we can make a difference. Lord, help us to be honest with where we're stuck and invites you into that, the intersections where we've hit the brakes in our lives, to be honest with that and trust you instead. Lord, help us not to hold back, but to move forward. Give us the strength and the wisdom and the people to do this. In your name I pray, amen.